Welcome to Hancock Conversations, an Allen Hancock College podcast. Join President Dr. Kevin G. Walters and members of the Hancock community as they explore the stories behind the people and places that make Allen Hancock College the unique hub for learning that it is today. You're sure to learn something new and even have a little fun along the way. Hello and welcome to Hancock Conversations, the podcast about all things Allen Hancock College. I'm Superintendent President Kevin Walters, and today we're joined by the 2019-2020 student body president, Tyler Little. Tyler's a 2020 graduate of Allen Hancock College, and he is studying at UC Irvine this year, and he lives in Santa Ana. He will be majoring in film. Tyler's also a veteran. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. So Tyler, welcome. Hello. Welcome, welcome, <laughs> I so, guess. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for joining us. And let, let's start off with, because you're, you're from Ohio, and uh, let's talk about how you ended up at Hancock College. Okay. I'll do the, it, it should be an interesting story. So, because I, I grew up in a village in Ohio, and that was probably the first, the second half of the time that I lived in Ohio. Before that, I kind of, as a kid, I grew up in essentially a forest, if that makes sense. So growing up in a forest, and then... I moved to a village, lived there for a little bit, and then I wanted to get out kind of a thing. It's one of those small town mentalities, like you're kind of anchored in and you can't really figure out a way to get out. And so eventually the military was my key to getting out. And so I got out and I joined the Air Force 2011 after I went to college once before that, trying to be a computer science engineer, I suppose, but I didn't. that wasn't really my forte. I didn't really care for it, so... It's kind of hard when you're sitting in a room with like walls around you, you're looking at code all the time. I'm like, nah, this is not what I want to do, especially with a little kid that grew up in a forest. I want to be outside. Right. Yeah. So uh, left uh, for the military in 2011. And then I've always had this dream since I was a little kid to uh, do film. So when I was picking, it's called your dream sheet in the military. You pick bases that you want based on that. And so I picked... Everything in California, because in my head, if I want to do movies after I'm done in the military, California is where I have to go. So as soon as I selected all the things on the on my dream sheet, somehow, and it rarely happens, I got so lucky and I got stationed at Vandenberg Air Force Base in Lompoc. And I spent my entire, that was my home base the entire time I was in the military. And so uh, after uh, about 2000 and... 16, I was making my plans and starting to get ready to get out of the military. And I was looking at schools to do film because that's what I wanted to do. I knew I had the GI Bill. I had learned all these things about these benefits that I could use and take advantage of. And so I was like, what school should I go to? And then, you know, hop and chance thing, one of the best community colleges for film. And after being through the program, I can also confirm that just so happened to be right down the street from me. So my intention was, before I even left, that I was going to go to college at Hancock. That was I had never even considered going to a UC yet because I didn't know if I was ready for that kind of a thing. So I was like, I'll just do community college and see how that works. And then the film program at Hancock, sometimes I don't know if it gets enough praise like from the outside of Hancock that it should from the film community. It is the things that you do at film program there as juniors and seniors and UCs you don't even do like they're it's advanced level stuff if you take it that way so 
when I was getting ready to get out, I had a plan, and somehow my plan, you know, best laid plans of mice and men kind of a thing, uh, it did work. And so I ended up, sadly, living in the parking garage of the Santa Maria Mall in my car <laughs> for a few months. Yeah, that was super awesome. I had like a gym membership, so I'd go shower there, and then I had work, but I didn't have enough money to have a place to, to you know, first month, last month rent. That's expensive. Right. So once I started at Hancock, boom, my GI Bill kicked in and everything kind of rescued me at that point. And then I had everything settled out after that, which was fantastic. And I had luckily had some friends that let me rent a room. So once I got into Hancock, it was like a big switch, a big shift in my life, essentially from what seemed like one of my darkest times to probably one of the brightest times I've had in my life. So it was, it was this huge shift when I started there. So you, that answers uh, your question. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you obviously took advantage of the veteran resource center here on campus. Talk about how the, the veterans program is, is helping students like you stay on track. So one of the great benefits when I got there was, was that the veterans, uh, programs and what was great was that the people that work within that program are highly knowledgeable about veteran benefits so one of the things that's that sometimes gets laid to the wayside and when i worked with and i worked at the veterans center a lot as a student ambassador and helped with them uh, is a lot of veterans aren't aware of what benefits they qualify for and and what the best way to approach going to get these benefits are so what's really cool is that the people in there, whether it be Vernetta Crane or Stephanie Crosby or anybody involved with that program, I know I'm name dropping. Yeah, <laughs> good thing to do. But yeah, but the people involved with that program are very knowledgeable of of the benefits they get. So what was great was that essentially when you would go into the Veterans Center, it's a great place for people to just kind of study. And and then what's cool is there's still that community kind of a feel from other people that are veterans like we all have this connection in a way and then we could just talk about certain things that people who are not veterans wouldn't quite understand in a way so it's really great space for that and then what really helped is the fact that when i got in there i had the benefits of everyone going hey this is a scholar the scholarships are a big one too this is a scholarship you can apply for. You qualify for this. This is this is your GI Bill. Let's get that. So, oh, not to compare or anything like that. The attention to each individual student at Hancock as compared to, we'll just say the UC system, is light years difference. So the thing that I, I, I could get at Hancock was, this is how you do everything. This is what you need to do. This is This is how it is. And then part of the problem with this pandemic and everything like that it's it, there's a disconnect when i went to uc and it was a lot harder more complicated for me to figure out how to do everything like make sure that my plan matched what my gi bill needed and make sure that everything all my eyes were dotted and all my t's were crossed kind of a thing and that's the benefit of having those veterans oriented programs at hancock that really helped me to make sure that i had my money and all my va stuff was all lined up Awesome. We also have a VA advisor that she's right on top of it too, a counselor. That's great. Yeah. 
So yeah. well, let, let's switch tracks a little bit and talk about last spring when you were student body president. And we talked we talked on a prior podcast with Heidi Mendiola, who was our student trustee at the time. And we talked a lot about how student leadership was so integral in the planning process for how we were going to approach the, the spring semester, graduation, and, uh, and the fall semester. Tell us what it was like being right there in the middle of all the action. Well, I think initially, and this is a blanket for everyone, I think initially none of us really realized right out the gate when we first figured this out what this was necessarily. Absolutely. So as students, we were just like, okay, it's what is this? What is happening? Like you had two different kind of aspects. Like, is this the zombie apocalypse into the world virus? Or what is this? You know what I mean? So no one really knew. And there's so little information in the beginning that we just kind of, all of us, that's staff, students, all of us went in the dark. And so what was really, I think, perfectly done is the fact that all of us kind of came together, the students and the staff and the administration kind of was like figuring it out together and everyone was inclusive in that. And I think that provided every perspective you need because when you make a decision on anything having every perspective to be able to make the most educated decision you can is super important so when we figured out what this thing was when we went to that really i knew at that spring break meeting when we when we had that meeting toward the end of the original week of spring break we all met there and we were just like socially distanced and everything was done correctly that way but it was like we were trying to figure out what this was and then the staff would voice their concerns and then students would voice their concerns. It was super interesting how we could just kind of all formulated together with that. And I think the, the most important thing was the fact that it was about us. And that I think was the most, the beneficial thing that I saw coming out of that was that I, I sat in that room with Heidi, both of us sat there and it was like safety of us because again we didn't really know what we we're up against with this so the safety of us was kind of the concern the students themselves because there were high-risk students that go to community college and, and all these different things so all that stuff was taken account for and i think that that was probably one of the best things about going through that no, but we just kind of yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was saying, you know what? What I really remember from that meeting in in regard to the students is uh, you and Heidi sitting there, and and looking at your phone and scrolling through. I, I remember you saying something like, "I've got 240 messages here from students," yeah. and you guys were yeah. condensing down like the the contacts that you had across campus uh, mm-hmm. were really helpful in that planning process for for students, and we got that message loud and clear that. And, and, and I think this is something I, I even saw this this week that, you know, people were saying, oh, you know, this this somebody in a, on a state level was saying, oh, this is going to make, you know, online learning and emergency remote teaching and all of that kind of stuff is going to leap forward and it's going to be the future. And I'm like, no, it's not. Our students were really clear. They don't like it. They understand why yeah. we have to do it. They want to be in person. They want to be with their peers. They want to have that interaction with other people. And, and we got that message from, from you guys and, and from all of our students really loud and clear. And it was a, a, a great way to help us plan what needed to be done. Yeah, and I think that's across the board. That's, uh, that I, that's even now, right? So I have acting courses this, t- this quarter, mm-hmm. right? Right. Try to imagine an acting course through Zoom where you have to make a connection to another individual on the other side of a screen 
there's something about the physical presence of being next to someone that allows you to connect to that person emotionally in a level that you cannot do. It doesn't matter how virtual reality or how advanced we get. I just feel like the physical presence, it's not there. So there's a disconnect that's online. That, so eventually, in what I have seen, almost 90% of the students I talk to want to go back. Like there are advantages to being remote, you know, if you have kids and things like that. But educationally, I feel like there is, if you have someone that graduates with a degree and that degree was done in person, as opposed to someone who graduates with a degree and the whole entire degree was done virtual remote, right? Right. Who is going to be the person that's better prepared for life in the real world once this thing is over? You know, the current measure, the Zoom person might be better set up. But but afterwards, that person that graduated normally is going to have the advantage in the actual workplace outside of school. Right. And I think that, that it's, in, it's integral that, that in the future that, that what we push toward is being able to get us back in the classrooms. It's not taking the leap ahead that I, that people, it just hasn't, it just hasn't, it's not there. And and I think that's important. Yeah. Everything we do here is is really established. And and what we've honed our skills at for our faculty and our staff is, is the exact opposite of what you should do in a pandemic. So, so we're, we're, (laughs) we're, we're doing our best and, and, you know, hope, you know, the, the optimistic news of vaccines and, uh, you know, hopefully that we can, you know, by, by next fall, uh, even even perhaps by the summer, we'll have some face-to-face classes, but certainly by the fall, if these vaccines work, we should be almost back to normal, if not fully back to normal, and we're optimistic about that. Yeah, but, and I, I think I think part of what was what made the whole transition amazing was the fact that administration kind of helped set us up. Like, the reason I had those 200 messages was because Noemi helped set up like a town hall and different things like that where people had my contact information and went on the website and then messaged me like that and that helped us consolidate that message so it was it was so invaluable like it's so valuable that we had that support that i've not actually experienced in in an educational environment like that where it's like here give us the tools that we need to get what we need informationally so so it was all hands on deck like it's it's interesting you say like you think like when things hit the fan kind of per se like you always wonder how people actually are going to be like who are these people going to be when stuff actually goes awry you know you always think that and then the it was i don't know if i got lucky or what but everyone that was on that student body and then the administration that was with it was like they did exactly what you wanted them you'd hoped they would have done in that moment so it was like it's overwhelming just to see that. So it made my job a lot easier. <laughs> right. Well, and that's, you know, our, our, uh, our, our shared governance process and our emergency operations training that we do really prepared us for that. And uh, uh, one of our other podcasts, our lead faculty in the fire academy was on, and his, his phrase is always that, you know, in times of crisis, you're not going to rise to the occasion. You're going to default to your level of training. And, and we saw that across campus. We saw people using the the frameworks for decision making that we that we use every day and just applying them to a situation where we had to move a little quicker so well let's change topics because you're a film major and we want to <laughs> talk about films and so i'll start with with this punch drunk love adam sandler's mm-hmm. greatest movie or just a great movie Ooh, man that was a curveball i wasn't ready for that one punch so here's the thing i've 
I've watched Punk Punch Drunk Love pre film school mm-hmm. and then after film school. I hated it the first time I watched it pre film school. Right? I was like, what is this? Because I walked into you know, I grew up I'm a little older than most right. um students. So I grew up with Adam Sandler being Saturday Night Live, being Billy um, Madison and all that, yeah. Billy Madison, yeah. That was my Adam Sandler. So I see this and I'm like, oof, what is this? And I just kind of got bored and I was not into it really necessarily. And the second time, I watched it again later after film school and I just, I found it very interesting. I think it's a good movie. I don't think it's Adam Sandler's best movie. And, and actually, I think Adam Sandler's best movie is actually not a comedy either. Um, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But anyways, he was a uh, – his I think his significant other – it's been a while since I've seen it – dies in 9-11. Rain on me. That's oh, what it is. Yeah. That one – that was my favorite performance by uh, Adam Sandler. And he just killed that. Like he just embodied that pain that losing someone during 9-11 – happened and he just kind of never recovered from it so that i think that's my favorite adam sandler movie always, but i think punch Doug loves good I, i've always <laughs> thought of adam sandler as being the guy with an enormous amount of talent who's also figured out that he can just get a bigger check by being a goof and uh and doesn't have to work so hard so and then what was the yeah. the uh the movie that he made uh on netflix right as the pandemic started you remember, oh, he was like the, tw- the jewelry like guy 12 the jewelry guy oh uh um Un ungemmed no not ungemmed uncut uncut, uncut gems yeah uncut that, gems that's it yeah that was a stressful movie but it, I thought it was pretty good yeah that was really good it was uh yeah it was definitely yeah it made me like he kept making decisions and I was like what are you doing like why are you doing that <laughs> just like you know yeah your shoulders ah. hurt the whole time you're watching it you're just like oh my yeah. gosh he's just but but you know I I that that movie um you know I, I've talked to people about it and I thought you know. In, in a way that, although he was, you know, he was trying to do the get rich quick kind of thing all the time, but, mm-hmm. but, but you know, for a lot of our students, they're they're always kind of like one step away from disaster, and and, and I really think about that a lot. That our students are, are, you know, they're trying to get housing, they're trying to feed their families, they're trying to make sure that their siblings are in school, and you think about our students who are living with that every day, not by their own choice, and just try to make sure that. We've got the the services in place for them to be successful, where we can help them going forward. I, I, I think about that a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, it was. I mean, I re, I relate to that in a sense. Like I had all these plans mm-hmm. laid out, ready to go for when I left the military, and every one of them failed. And it was just two decisions essentially that that caused those to fail, and those decisions were incorrect decisions. And then it left me living in a car in the parking garage yeah it's very easy to be on that edge you know the military kind of i don't want to say coddle but they kind of make it to where they say you can't fail you can't really fail in the military unless you unless you are a really bad person which they'll get rid of you but you can't really fail they kind of set you up to to succeed they set you up to be the best version of yourself they could be housing all that stuff so when you leave that suddenly there's no there's nothing to catch you if you fall right and then it's real easy to go boom and and it's like holy cow and so you have to figure out a way to recover from that and there's a ton i know students i actually had an experience one time i was over at panera bread and i cannot remember her name now but there was a student that what you could tell she was living in her car and i recognized it immediately because i had been there and i was over at panera and i walked out of panera and i saw that and 
she had locked her keys out of her car. And so I called, had AAA come and unlock her car. And then I asked her, you know, while we were waiting, she said, yeah, I'm a Hancock and stuff like this. So it was amazing that I was in that moment. I was like, oh, well, you need to talk to this person. And then I was like, and then I gave him contact information and everything like that. And I followed up with her later. And that's just one. There, there's two experiences. That's one experience I had. And then there was another experience I had with a gentleman who had just got out of, he was incarcerated, previously incarcerated. And uh, it was really great. He walked in one day and I was working as a student ambassador and I was just sitting at that front desk. And for everybody that works that front desk, know that this can happen. This guy walks in, has no, he just wants information, right? And it literally went, I went and walked with him every stop, step of the way. And we went from him going to just walking around and browsing to him registered at Hancock, got his plan, got him scheduled with the counselor, all this stuff. And then I got his phone number and followed up with him on a constant basis. And when you do those kind of things as someone who is a student ambassador, who does work for the school, it really gives you, like you feel really good about it. It's a good feeling because you're helping someone. And I still have contact with him today. And it's, you know, it's really great to see someone that comes out of that. And then now they're, he's becoming a chef. He's learning to cook. He's in the culinary program. You know, it's it's fantastic to see those things. So all it yeah. takes when students are in that moment is just a little reach out for someone to, to help them out a little bit. And, man, it makes the world of difference. Yeah, that follow-up is so key. That's a, that's a good lesson for the, that hopefully um, all of our students are learning is that, you know, when, when somebody comes and asks for something, it's not enough to write down a name on a piece of paper and give them a phone number. You know, what what, what I do when I run into students is, they say, I want to come to school. And I'm like, you know, I could just say, hey, oh, great. Well, here's where you register. I'm like, no, you give me your mm-hmm. phone. You give me your phone number, your name, and uh, I'm going to have somebody call you. And I, I you know, I, I call up Dean Teniente and I say, hey, can you have a counselor call this student? And they, we're going to follow up and hound that student until they come to school because we know the outcome from them being here is going to be so much better. Yeah, so. it's, it, it's literally a life-changing point. Yeah. You know, this is someone who, especially someone who just previously incarcerated, they go from this is their life to look at the opportunity. It's when people see that they have opportunities that they really focus on changing and, and, and just really improving themselves. Yeah. So opportunity just breeds higher expectations for yourself. Right. And, so you know, when you, yeah. And when you think about those, uh, you know, there, there, there's a parallel between what you're describing in the military and the formerly incarcerated students. You're both coming out of highly structured organizations, you know, different, obviously yep. different missions, but highly structured organizations. Yes. And you know, one of the things we have to do is, you know, we need to keep providing that structure so that you can kind of work your way in. I know, you know, I, I've known people in my life that get out of the military, and you know, all of a sudden that you know they don't show up to their job. You know, the the MPs aren't coming to arrest them, right? They're they're uh, mm-hmm. uh, they're just you know, and they and they get lost because they've lost that structure. Well, let's, yeah, let's, and that happens a lot. Yeah, so yeah. let's let's wrap up because I, I, I want to talk a little bit about your post-graduation, not necessarily post-commencement, but after after, after the semester ended and, and you had finished all your courses, you, you took a long road trip around the country. Give us a, a couple mm-hmm. highlights of what happened as you were driving around the country and, and what you enjoyed. Yeah, so I took the opportunity to drive all the way to Ohio and then back before I moved down here. So what was really cool was that we went – I went and I, ha- I had someone go go with me who was also works in film with me all the time. And we went 
did all these amazing things. So we went to the Grand Canyon and did the mule ride, which was super cool. And then we went and seen Graceland, which if you've never been to Graceland, definitely, so you, definitely so, go to Graceland. So I got to tell you, so Graceland is a place every American should go once and only once. Yep. <laughs> well, I've only been once. I've only been once. You, you, fill, you filled your quota. So while you were there, yeah. I, I, I'm going to ask you this. And, and did, did you go to Sun Records where uh, where Elvis performed and Johnny Cash and all those guys? So the sad thing is when we did this, it was during the pandemic, right? So oh. so most thing it was – I have drove across – I've driven across the country multiple times like this. I did it the first time I went to California when I left for Ohio for Vandenberg. But what was crazy was like – each state was so totally approaching it different. And so uh, Tennessee, the cities were locked down, but the country wasn't. So when you went to the cities, we got so lucky when we got to Tennessee. The two big highlights of there was when we went to the Grand Old Opry and then Graceland. We literally got so lucky because we were there the first day they had reopened Graceland. So there was nobody there. It was like seven people there. Wow. So we had all of Graceland to just do whatever we want. And it was still fully staffed, but there was only like seven seven people there. And so we got to talk to all the staff. They were hanging out with us. And then what was great was that – so I'm from that area, right? So I'm used to southern cooking. And the person that went with me was not. And it was the first experience – uh, she had ever had having Memphis barbecue and it brought tears to her eyes. It was so good, <laughs> but, but yeah, so we got to eat Southern barbecue and then we got to go through Graceland basically with no one there. And then the same thing happened with Grand Ole Opry. It was the third day they were open. I think I might have those switched around, was that but it the, was still really early. Is that the new Opry hall or was that the historical Ryman auditorium? That's the new Opry hall that yeah. got flooded. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but they took, you know about the, do you know about the circle? Uh-huh. So, yeah, so what's really cool is we got to go through the Grand Ole Opry and actually stand in the circle. Nice. And they take your picture in the circle and everything. So it was really cool to, to do all that, too, and, and that was probably, that was a great tour to go through. That, that, that was really cool. Nice. So those are probably my two big highlights. Well, cool. That's, uh, uh, and I, I love Memphis. I just think the history of Memphis, and especially as it relates to the civil rights movement and you know, one of these days I want to get back there and, and spend some more time. It's just a, a fascinating place, but it sounds like a great adventure. It was. So, Tyler, we're, we're grateful for your time here. We're a better college because you were here, better college because Heidi was here, and oh, we're a you. way better college because the <laughs> two of you were here. And we're excited. We're excited, you know, when you uh, when you get that first uh, that first screening of, of your major motion picture, just remember your old college president and uh, send me a couple tickets. We'll come down and we'll come down and watch. <laughs> But I want to say thanks yeah. for thanks for joining us, and and I know you'll stay in touch, and we look forward to uh, seeing the great things you have in store. Absolutely, I'll see you. I really appreciate you having me on. No problem. All right. Well, thank you, Tyler. This has been Hancock Conversations, your podcast for all things Allen Hancock College. Thanks for joining us, and we'll look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. <laughs>